This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 164, submission number 758. The Wake Martindale Interactive Play Breaks. The Wake Martindale Interactive Play Breaks aired on Family Channel from June of 1993 to approximately December of 1994. Sorry, Chico's audio went dead there. That year was 1994. Today, these players and you at home will test your trivia IQ as we play Trivial Pursuit, the interactive game. And here's the star of the show, Wake Martindale. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Randy West. Once upon a time, there wasn't a 24-hour network that showed game shows, all game shows, and only game shows. If you wanted to see a good game show, you had to watch an afternoon block on either USA or the Family Channel. And while USA had some of the best original game shows in daytime in the 1980s, Jackpot, Bumper Stumpers. Bumper Stumpers. Chain Reaction. Chain Reaction. The Family Channel got into the game with something that hasn't been seen in a game show. No. Interactivity. Yeah. Yeah, very interactive. And who was the vanguard of all these interactive games? Randy? Wake Martindale! Randy West, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Kind of, sort of, a friend of the show. Yeah. So, Wake Martindale teamed up with producers Bill Hillier, Peter Berlin, and Rob Fiedler to develop this new concept into what would become the benchmark of the Family Channel's game show lineup, which also included Let's Make a Deal, both the 80s and the original versions, and Crosswits, starring David Sparks. And the $100,000 Name That Tune with Jim Lang. That's right. There wasn't a network that didn't know the $100,000 Name That Tune with Jim Lang. And, and one Face more. Face the music. One the music. more besides, yeah, one more besides, Face the, uh, besides Name That Tune. Face the music. Face the music. The, the legendary Face the Music with Ron Ely and, oh Lisa, And the lovely Lisa Donovan. We're going to talk about that sometime soon because yeah. Face the Music is, I think it's a classic show, but it's also maybe the, the hottest mess of a show ever. I'm going to go ahead and pencil that in for May of 2022. If you yeah, mind. go ahead and do that. But also, while you're penciling that in, the whole basis of this was to uh, the foundation of what was going to be a 24-hour game show channel. Boy, have we heard of that before. Does that sound like anything? Yeah. Does this look like anything? And what the idea was, these interactive games would be a key component of the game show channel, these Wink games, plus, again, name that tune and face the music and let's make a deal. And uh, they were trying to acquire the big libraries, talking about the Goodson Todman Library and also talking about the Bob Stewart Library, which, in case you don't know, ended up with game show network with sony 
And we had a number of classic Bob Stewart shows and, and Goodson Todman shows on Game Show Network and its various names and incarnations for seemingly like the last 20 to 25 years. But alas, I, I wonder if this Game Show channel just sort of fizzled away once uh, Game Show Network, uh, or Sony, I should say, created Game Show Network. You know, there's, it's tough to operate a, a Game Show Network when you're airing Crosswits and not a superior version of Crosswits. No. A very inferior version and face the music, even though you can get some good mileage out of it, it only ran for a year and a half or so. And name that tune, you'd have obviously clearance issues uh, in terms of uh, uh, the songs. But also, again, that, that show lasted more or less nine months. So you'd be you know, killing that rerun wise yeah. as if it didn't happen on Family Channel. And, uh, and then Split Second, same deal. It only ran for like six months, nine months. And it's the inferior version. Yeah. Because unfortunately, most of the Tom Kennedy version is destroyed, so... Yeah, and of course, the Rob Weller version was just the pilot. I mean, the only other libraries I can think of that you could probably acquire would be the Red Grundy Library, at least in the U.S., with Sale and Scrabble and the like. Yeah, but USA had already gotten those, and I don't think they were yeah. going to give them up just yet. Well, they well the game show block wouldn't be done on USA until like October '95, so yeah, and that yeah, would be but, but, anything uh, but, not named Quicksilver and Free for All, by the way. But enough about the game show channel that never existed. Let's get into the games. Yep. In the course of Family Channel's block, there were four games that aired. The first one was the one that spanned the entirety of the run, which was Trivial Pursuit. Based off of the Hasbro board game of the same name, it ran from June 7th, 1993 to December 30th, 1994. But we should add that it only ran for 13 weeks. Yeah. Essentially, you got six cycles of the same 13 weeks of episodes. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you saw it once or twice, yeah, you know all the answers. You know how it ends up. So it's it sort of lost its flavor over time. Yeah, and during the first run of 13 weeks, it aired as part of an hour. The first half hour was the interactive game. So here's how the interactive game worked. We started out with 12 players. Eventually, it would be nine players instead of 12 players. But you started out with that round of players. And after one round of questions, it would be paired down to six players. After that round of questions, it would be paired down to the final three. And those players would go on to the next half hour, Trivial Pursuit, the classic game. And we should add that the questions being asked were multiple choice. They were four answer, multiple choice. And the way the scoring was done was... The quicker you lock in with the correct answer, the more points you get. You can get up to a thousand points per question. And essentially for every hundredth of a second that you take, you lose a point. So if you take exactly one second to answer it, you'll get 900 points. If you take two and a half seconds, you'll get 750 points. And so that's how they find the, the scores. If you answer correctly, you get whatever time you locked in with. If you put in a wrong answer, you, you can't make it up. 
you get nothing. And they whittled it down from 12 or nine down to six and then down to three. And then you would have Wink sort of talking with the three contestants who made it to the classic version at the end of the interactive game. But then you got into Trivial Pursuit, the classic game, which Chica will explain right now. Yes. So the object of the game is to completely fill your Trivial Pursuit token. Each token has six wedges, and it takes two half wedges to completely fill a single wedge. In order to get a half wedge, you have to answer a question correctly in one of the six genus categories. That was geography, entertainment, history, art and literature, science and nature, sports and leisure, from when the game originally came out in 1979. The second round played like the sort of decades or different subjects round, and it played out with a new set of six categories, like people and places and other categories like that. And then they played that back again with a new set of categories. And then in the final round, which I could only call, well, I'm going to call it Hot Pursuit because that's what it reminds me of. You could ring in on any category that you needed to fill your token. And the first person to completely fill their token wins the game. Or the person who comes the closest to filling their token when time runs out. And they go to play the Trivial Pursuit Challenge round where they have 45 seconds to fill a Trivial Pursuit token by answering six questions correctly. And if they do that, I believe the prize is either $1,000 or a trip. It was a trip. It was a trip. The Family Channel did not have the most money in the 90s. So it was basically a trip somewhere. And while all of this was going on, to fill time and also to generate interest for the network block, we have a series of interactive play breaks. And the first interactive play break, of course, was the Trivial Pursuit interactive play break, in which you had 100 seconds to call a 900 number, get into the queue, and I'm guessing you're randomly chosen to play... Or maybe you're not randomly chosen. Maybe you're just into the queue to play the interactive play break, which was similar in fashion to the rounds in the interactive portion of Trivial Pursuit. Well, I can maybe hopefully offer some clarity. Go ahead. Watching some uh, of uh, the episodes, not necessarily of Trivial Pursuit, but of the other games that we'll talk about momentarily, I took as close of a look as I could at like the legalese and other information uh, within the play break stuff, it did say that there was a maximum of 1,500 players. So I'm guessing first come, first serve. Once they hit 1,500, they wouldn't accept any more players. Yeah. Uh, and whoever won the interactive play breaks, who got the highest score out of the five questions, would win a small prize, little prize. And if my count is correct... There were seven such play breaks within the block. And the winners of all of the play breaks would come back at the final play break 
on Friday, and it would be a playoff situation where those players would play for a trip, not unlike the kind given away on the show. Right. And that happened for 13 weeks. And for a couple of weeks in prime time, sometime in 1995. True story. It aired in prime time. Yeah. It's like reruns aired in prime time for a bit. I did not know that. And I believe Trivial Pursuit, well, I think they did uh, play breaks beyond the first 13 weeks. Uh, Maybe it lasted 26 weeks. Maybe it lasted 39 weeks. Maybe it lasted a year because there were other interactive games coming down the line. It wasn't like they were ready three months after the show debuted. Obviously, yeah. it takes time to film them. And, and so I want to say it was probably around fall of 93, Randy West or Wink would be touting new games coming soon or new games coming in 1994. And they did uh, premiere three different games in 1994. They did. And the three games had very similar concepts in the sense that all three, including the aforementioned Trivial Pursuit, could be played on your telephone by pressing some combination of the 12 buttons. Yep. And the first two that came down the pike were Boggle, Boggle, and Shuffle. Unfortunately, we do not have a clip of Hank Hill saying Shuffle. Sorry. Do we have a clip of, of Hank Hill or Peggy Hill playing the Boggle playing chicken? I don't know. I'm sure we'll find one. Well, we'll we can find one, I'm sure. Yeah, we'll find one. I am 255 out of 256. Oh, come on now. You're still doing better than uh, Boggle playing chicken. Boggle played on the Family Channel from March 7th to November 18th of 1994. Today, one of these four players will win a fabulous trip to Costa Rica as we play America's most popular hidden word game, Boggle, the interactive game. And here's your host, Wake Martindale. Thanks, Randy West. Thank you, players. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Boggle, the interactive game. And, of course, the same people who brought Trivial Pursuit to the television screen did the same with Boggle. That is, Wake Martindale, Bill Hillier, and Hasbro. Like Trivial Pursuit before it, Boggle was played using a touch-tone keypad resembling a Boggle board. In that, you had to solve a riddle whose answers were in the grid whose letters were connected top to bottom or diagonally. And the faster you solved the riddle, the more points you got, and... The more points you got after four, the better your chances of moving on. Four people played the first round, then three, followed by a two-person final. And the last person standing would win a trip somewhere. And, of course, to fill in the gaps, we have Boggle Interactive Play Breaks with another 900 number, another set of riddles, and a small prize for the winners and the right to play in a weekly playoff to determine who would win a trip somewhere. Playoff? Playoffs? Yeah. 
Hold on, Greg. If you want it, you got to do it for real. Hold on. Playoffs? Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. But also, we should add the phone calls were not free. No, there were no, these are nine hundred numbers, and specifically, it cost four dollars and ninety-eight cents to play. Ooh. Five dollars. That's a lot in nineteen ninety-four money. That's a lot in 1994 money, but also, like I said, uh, it was capped at 1,500 players per game. So that's a, possibly a quick $7,500, depending on how much you know, the phone company gets and how much actually goes to Wink. But that's uh, potentially a lot of money for uh, a three-minute game or less. So that was Boggle. And that same day, so that same run of time, March 7th to November 8th, you would have a second show called Shuffle, the interactive game. Well, actually, Shuffle aired from March 7th to June 10th of 1994. We're not playing the theme again. Because it's the same theme. Yeah. No, seriously, it's the same theme. And Shuffle was played similarly to Boggle, but instead you have four players trying to organize lists. Lists of four. They basically reskins the graphics from the Trivial Pursuit interactive game. And they're not even doing the full list. They're only doing the first two parts of the list. Like, which of these came first, or who's the oldest? And you have ten seconds to answer the question. And once you've answered the question, you now have five seconds to find the item ordered second. And the three players with the most points at the end of the first round, we'll go on to the second round. And the two players with the most points at the end of the second round go on to the final round. And the last person standing wins a trip somewhere. And we should say a round is three questions. So yep. Three questions in total. Like threes with part A's and three with part B's. Yeah, you're going to hit the keypad on the telephone six total times in any given round. I did that math all by myself. Well, you are a math teacher, Mike. And again, during the course of the show and the block as a whole, you would have shuffle play breaks where you would play the exact same game for a smaller prize and you would have to pay the exact same fare, $4.98 a call, and you would have theoretically the exact same cap at 1,500 players per round. And, of course, the best players would come back at the end of the week to play a shuffle playoff, where the winner would get a trip. And that was shuffle. And that only lasted three months before it was replaced with Jumble, the television version of that crazy word game. Oh, that one. Yeah. You've seen it in the papers. You know what we're talking about. And of course, Jumble had the exact same motif as Boggle and Shuffle with some minor set redressing. And the exact same game, so to speak, with four questions and all of the letters coming together for a final Jumble. And the three players with the most points at the end of that round go on to the next round 
And the two players with the most points at the end of that round go on to the final round. And the one player left standing with the most points wins a trip. And during all of this, there is a jumble play break, which, again, play for a small prize. Top scorers go to a playoff on Friday to play for a trip. 498 a call. You have 100 seconds to type it in. Yeah. But you repeat yourself. I do repeat myself. Except for a jumble, you would use, like, the letters on top of the numbers. Jumble seemed like a very fun game. Well, jumble by its very nature is fun. We had it here locally a bit in the 2000s when Newsday for a period was owned by Tribune since Tribune owns Jumble. I don't think I've uh, uh, ever seen a newspaper that didn't have Jumble because it's been in uh, the Cleveland uh, Plain uh, Plain Dealer, the, the main paper here, as far back as I can remember, going back to the 80s or 70s. Well, Tribune now owns uh, that paper in New York City, which I won't name. Hint, it's the bad paper in New York City that's not the post. I was about to say, wait a minute. New York has two bad papers. We went over this. We went over this on Into the Spidey Movieverse last night when we were taping it. Hint, it's the paper that used to employ the bookworm. <laughs> So that was Jumble. It lasted from June 13th to September 2nd, and again from November 21st to December 30th. I think that might just be original airings. Yeah, those are original airings. In fact, Truth by Consensus Wikipedia has it listed as two separate seasons. Yeah, I don't think there was ever a gap uh, with it airing. Maybe they showed first season reruns until new episodes were available, but... No, it was a, well, for lack of a better word, a stalwart in Family Channel's lineup uh, back in 1994. Basically, what you had was you had your Trivial Pursuit classic game. And then, again, starting in March of 94, you had Boggle and Shuffle. Shuffle didn't take off, I would assume, because uh, you're not doing the full list, you're, you're only doing like half the work, but also it's not a known entity like Boggle and Jumble. And I'm sure Wink Martindale and company paid a lot of money to get the rights to use those names, Boggle and Jumble. So then what happened is, yeah, you had Shuffle and Boggle from March to June of 94, but then the rest of the way you had Boggle and Jumble uh, even though Boggle was in reruns, essentially, at that point. They only did, I think, 13 weeks of shows. Uh, and that lasted until uh, end of uh, December in 1994. Yep, but reruns continued to the summer of 95, because at this point, Family Channel still tried to uh, find its way in the daytime. But we should also add... It did not have the interactive component after December 30th of 94. Correct. And interestingly enough, December 1st of 1994 would be when Game Show Network launched and claimed a monopoly on interactive game shows. Well, that wouldn't start for another few years uh, when you had shows like Trivia Track and Decades and even a little bit later, getting into like 98 or so with uh, Throat and Neck and Extreme Gong. But 
Family Channel was the one who started it. It was. They, they were the first and possibly the best uh, in, in terms of interactivity. Yeah, th- th- uh, throat and neck wasn't really necessarily all that interactive. No. 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 But de- decades in trivia track were. Oh, decades. Well, decades was great because it had Peter Tamark in. Oh, of course. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, game shows and interactivity. We had shows that had interactive elements before, and we'll talk about a few of them in future entries. I could think of one off the top of my head, and that would be a uh, uh, video pow. So, oh yes, yeah, you bet your ass we're going to talk about that in twenty twenty two. Not video power. We already covered that. No, pow. No, video, video power. Pow. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Very, I don't want to say necessarily landmark, but it was definitely big technology around 1981, 82. But Wake Martindale and Bill Hillier were the first ones to develop, well, not so much the first interactive game show. That would have been in the Cube system where bill cullen hosted how do you like your eggs but the first widespread interactive game shows right here family channel in 93 oh yeah baby and trivial pursuit worked so well that the british actually got a version of it not the interactive part but the classic part yeah they did they did get our version over there with tony slattery hosting yeah tony slattery baby and of course Trivial Pursuit has come back twice in game show form. Yep, once on ESPN with Roger Lodge hosting, and again in syndication with Chris Knight, a.k.a. Peter Brady. Oh, I know him. I I I was on two episodes of that show. We know. Wait, Chica, weren't you on that show too? No, I wasn't. I was not, sadly. I did not have the video equipment in for that show. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 I didn't even need video equipment. They actually were doing like a mall, not, not necessarily a mall tour, but they went to a local mall and you could record up to four questions there. And and I, I had four questions prepared and two of them got used on the air. One Did on you... probably what is by far the best episode of, of the series. And then not saying that because that was where I won money. It was an absolutely amazing game. I was just about to say... Is it the one where you won something? Well, it, it was, but it, it's it was amazing beyond that. Because up until the final round, and even after the first question of the final round, the America's team, which was the team of the remote players, the people who submitted questions, they had scored nothing. Every question had been answered perfectly by all the uh, contestants. And like on the second question of... The, the final round, it was like sudden death. Okay. If he gets it right, then we mathematically couldn't have won. And obviously it was that case for the $3,000 question, the $4,000 question, the $5,000 for, for, for basically the last five questions, we were in a constant sudden death situation. And wouldn't you know it, the guy that won who's playing the final round blew each of the last five questions and the America's team won, including me. Yay. Whoops. But no, it was a great uh, episode. It was from Halloween of 2008, and it is on YouTube. Oh. 
Okay. Yeah, you, you can easily find it. It's not even on my channel. It's on somebody else's. Uh, I think it was a friend of uh, one of the contestants that was on that. Actually, not just the one of the contestants, the guy who blew that final round. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Uh-huh. So at least we have evidence of that. But that's not even my only tie to all this stuff. Oh. Back in 1994, I believe this would have started around September of 1994. They did a promotion where if you got all five questions right regardless of how fast you locked in that you would be allowed to play in like some big mega tournament in uh, around christmas time of 1994 specifically it was like december 29th the day before the final uh, shows aired and so uh i played one of the games i think i played boggle it's either boggle or jumble and uh, got all five right, and uh, and that was the end of it. Until uh, again, it was like December twenty eighth or twenty seventh. They said, you know, we're going to be doing this on Thursday afternoon during the the uh, the play break session. They didn't offer any prizes or anything. It was everybody who had qualified got to play the same five questions that were on TV, and the top 10 players from that round for, I think it was uh, Jumble and Boggle and maybe even Trivial Pursuit. They may have been doing this as well. They would play in a final on uh, the 30th of December for a trip to New York City to go to FAO Schwartz and a $2,500 shopping spree. I don't know if it was a shopping spree or if it was cash, but $2,500 was involved. So I qualified, like I said, uh, I only played the games maybe two or three times over the course of uh, their existence on Family Channel. And I only played at specific times because specifically for a certain prize my sister wanted. And what that prize was, was a Vito brand clarinet. And if you've ever seen them, those are the color ones, right? They're the colored ones. And my sister, who would have been like 14, 15 at the time, she was in marching band and she thought if she had a red or white or a blue clarinet, she would be just the absolute coolest person on marching band. Well, never got her that clarinet. But I, again, I did qualify for this uh, December 29th tournament of all the people who got all five right at least once. And I played the game and I, it was really like my best game ever. But before the game, we were told that if we were one of the top 10 players, we would get a phone call within an hour of the games playing. So obviously, uh, given how I felt, uh, how I just like kicked butt, I'm sitting by the phone feverishly waiting for a phone call and uh, never happened. So I figured, okay, I didn't make it. Uh, that next day I decided to do some post-Christmas shopping and actually open up my first checking account that day. And uh, lo and behold, I was gone for maybe a good like three, four hours. And I got home from doing my running around and my sister said, Mike, you're not going to believe it. What? You remember yesterday when you played those family channel games or whatever, you know, jumble or boggle or whatever? you actually ended up as one of the top 10 players. It's like, what? 
they said they'd call me within an hour of the game being played. And lo and behold, they called her, since I was still at home at the time, I was all of like 19 years old, still at home. And my sister, like I said, would have been 15. She picked up the phone. She wasn't even eligible to play because you had to be 18 to play these games. So she uh, played the game and she had it on videotape. Don't know whatever happened to that videotape, but I'd love to see it again. Uh, just to see how bad she did. I, I would assume she did absolutely horrible because, well, she was 15 years old and ne- couldn't play these games. Didn't. So, But uh, the thing that stood out when I saw the videotape is a couple of things. First off, my sister, her, her name was Robin, R-O-B-I-N. They misspelled her name, putting in their R-O-B-B-I-N. But also... The city we lived in, uh, which at the time was Richmond Heights, Richmond, like the city in Virginia, Heights, they put in the city name as Richard Heights. It was like a comedy of errors. Everything that could go wrong did. I didn't get the phone call, didn't get my chance to to win the trip or the, the money. And they called my sister who wasn't even eligible to play and they screwed up all her information. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's my little uh, story. Uh, I I had a chance to win something, but well, somebody dropped the ball, and well, maybe I shouldn't have gone out that day to open a checking account. But it makes for a good story, a good fun story, and uh, a nice anecdote to go along with this episode. Yep, indeed it does. I don't have a story like that. You wouldn't have been old enough. You were just barely older than my sister, so you couldn't have played. I couldn't have played, but I could watch. And in fact, I spent all of that summer watching reruns. Yeah. Oh, and the and the original and the original runs too. Yeah, I did too. I was nine. I couldn't play, but you know what? I enjoyed watching these shows. I enjoyed watching Trivial Pursuit. I also enjoyed watching all the reruns of the Jim Lang name that tune. Who doesn't oh, I, enjoy watching those reruns? Oh, I love Face the Music. I'm sorry. That was almost like a soap opera mixed in with a game show. A soap opera in the sense that th- there were like running gags you had to see like every day or you didn't get the joke because the band was so... Uh, I mean, the band was good. I mean, it was mainly it was, uh, the band members from Name That Tune in the 70s and 80s. But th- there were just so many hijinks and inside yeah. jokes and uh, other things happening, uh, like supposedly Lisa Donovan getting stuck in the Datsun. Oh, boy. Oh. I say supposedly. I'm pretty sure it happened, but I'm, I'm going to keep supposedly in there. But yeah, those were good times. They were good times. And quite landmark in television and interactivity. But after uh, Game Show Network got into the game and pretty much froze Family Channel out in every form and fashion. The interactive play breaks. They just became things on TV. They were indeed. They were things on TV. But they were really good things on TV. They were really good things on TV. And guess what, guys? What? It's time for It Was a Thing on TV Haiku Corner. Okay, play the music, Mike. 
Winx TV phone games. What would E.T. say seeing this? E.T. Don't phone home. Hey, hey, Greg, I'm sorry to make this a haiku battle again, but I've got a haiku, too. Why did you say so? Because it wouldn't be fun. This doesn't count, though, because you didn't say it first, so I win, technically. Well, let's fire up the music again and see where this goes. Wink's Afternoon Games. Boggle, shuffle, and jumble. Just five bucks a call. Yeah, well, you know what? It's not a bargain like Freddy Freaker. Two dollars a call. <laughs> uh, and, and fun fact, the Chicago Tribune actually did the math here. Four dollars ninety-eight cents a call, whether you hang up after 30 seconds or 270. And let's say they average 2,000 phone calls at five dollars a pop. That's $10,000. Ten times a day, that's $100,000. Double that since Family Channel has separate satellite feeds for the east and west coast and thus separate games five times a week one million dollars a week theoretically dang it may have been a cash cow for wink and or the family channel yeah i'm surprised they didn't make it work for as long as they could have well i i think uh, going back to the proposed game show channel once Sony and Game Show Network got a hold of, again, the Goodson Todman Library, the Bob Stewart Library, yeah, there's sort of slim pickings out there. I mean, yeah, there's some Monty Hall stuff out there. And uh, you've got, you know, you mentioned uh, Reg Grundy Library and Jay Wolpert Library was a possibility too, uh, especially since one of the shows that was supposed to be featured on the Game Show channel was few. Yeah, it may have been slim pickings, but uh, you know, once you lose the backbone of your your potential game show channel, it, it's not going to end well. No, it isn't. And of course, it wouldn't be until Buzzer in mid twenty tens where we would get the second game show channel. Yep. And then you had the third in Game Show Central. Also by the folks at Game Show Network. And I almost feel like we should mention the Barker channel, the Barker era Price is Right channel. Oh, yeah, and the Wipeout channel. And the Wipeout channel. And the it, Deal or No Deal channel. Deal or No Deal channel, yeah. So you can find plenty of game show channels now on Pluto TV. Oh, and also, I don't speak a word of uh, Spanish, but yeah, there's also a, an Escape Perfecto channel. Yeah, well, uh, I don't... That's uh, Sony Canal Competencias. It has the Spanish versions of Rate the Cage. That's Escape Perfecto and Ruleta Rusa, which is Russian roulette. Well, no, uh, it only has Escape Perfecto on it. It doesn't oh, have really? Russian roulette. Mm. I no, was that, that, told... That's another channel that's on another network, I think. But there is a Pluto channel for Escape Perfecto. And I've been by the uh, the Spanish section on Pluto TV because they got a Lucha Libre channel on there. They do. Yes, they do. Yeah. Six-sided ring, baby. Mexican mass wrestlers. It's great. It's awesome. But you know what else is awesome? Oh, our website. It was the thing on TV.com. Oh, yeah. We got all of our episodes, past episodes, 
links to our socials at It Was A Thing On TV. Of course, links to our weekly drops at Place To Be Nation. And this week, who? what do we have this week, Greg? We got Doctor Who, the 1996 TV movie, and at last, the 1948 show. And by the way, Chica, I'm working hard on it right now because last night we recorded the latest edition of Into the Spidey Movieverse on Spider-Man 3. So we finally wrapped up the Sam Raimi trilogy. So now we're going to be working hard on the next project in that series, which is the two amazing Spider-Man movies. That's going to be great. It's going to be amazing, Chico. It's going to be amazing. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone. They're amazing. Yes. But in the meantime, don't forget to stream our show wherever podcasts can be streamed. And also on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to your heart's content. And don't forget to hit the bell to stay up to date on future entries. Well, we do have a couple of entries to talk about next week. And also a do we we may have we a have a mini sewed later this week. Yes, we also have a mini sewed. Yes. Okay. But also it looks like we're gonna have a live episode. Oh yeah. Well, we hope we're gonna have a live episode because next week is the premiere of season three of Press Your Luck on ABC. And oh, Greg. Yeah. Is what I'm seeing true? What? Are you playing your money in the bank card? I already announced it last month, silly. Yeah, he oh. declared it a long time ago. Okay. Did you have amnesia? I already declared it last month. Probably. <laughs> yeah. So You have about as much amnesia as freaking Harry Osborne did after he got knocked on the head in that dumpster. He's got as much amnesia as Tom Poston on that team. What? <laughs> Huh? What? What, Peter? I hit my head on the dumpster. What happened? Your father's dead. Your father's what? dead, Harry. What? My father's dead. Oh no! <laughs> so we have Greg's money in the bank pick. Uh, that is, of course, the return of the Shaggy Dog, and then we have something involving Christopher Plummer and a counter-strike team in Canada. I don't remember the name of the show off the top of my head, but I'm sure it will counter-strike me at any moment now. Hey, Chico. Hey, hey, Chico, do you want to play the game counter-strike on the Xbox? I want to play the game counter-strike on the Xbox. Well, you'll find out more about that on our next episodes of It Was a Thing on TV. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with more stuff later on. Wow! Hi, my name is Mike. I'm from Richmond Heights, Ohio, and this is my question. On what sitcom did Harry Anderson start as Judge Harold T. Stone? Ryan. Night Court. Yes! <laughs> <laughs>